For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dirt Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Aaron Witt, for better or for worse. Um, today, we have a guy who moves dirt. Um, that, that, that is what he told me to, to, to say. Uh, his, his name is Pat Allen. He is an operator for New Era Excavation in New Hampshire. We've had Mr. Tom Gardaki on as well with New Era. He started New Era with his um, partner, Craig. And then they hired on Pat. Pat, when did they hire you? Like a year ago now? Uh, it was August of 18, I think. Yeah, 18 to 19. Yeah, it's been a year and a half. And you were their first hire. Yeah, I was their first hire. And has that turned out to be a mistake for them? Uh, I For them, I hope not. For me, no. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Just checking. Tom Tom made sure to make me check on that. <laughs> yeah. Just just random employee satisfaction surveys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we I get those. Every week, I think he sends one out. He's like, <laughs> I want to know all, what the employee status, you know, how the employees are. And it's I'm the bad. only one, so he only gets my info. I don't know why he does that. It's all, it's all about good culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so you are, you're an operator, and um, the one of the biggest pieces of feedback I've gotten on the podcast is, you know, oh, you have all these business owners on, but... You should really talk to operators. So we're listening to the feedback. Um, Pat yeah. Pat is the best I could do. So, <laughs> oh god, there's so many better. I mean, well, I mean, you gotta work. You're working down from Garrett, but you skip a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're, we're gonna have to backtrack here. It depends on how today goes. Yeah, um, yeah you got, you're gonna you're, you got a big range you're working in now. So, so this is just to prove that we are heeding people's feedback. Um, so you're welcome. Those of who, who have given me that feedback. Now, Pat, you are an operator. How did you get into the operating world, and 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 how did you start out in this whole circus? So, like, if we bring it back all the way back, yep. My family, my father, and my uncle own a big, large union drywall and metal stuff framing company. So since I was like 12, I've been on jobs with them, lugging drywall and framing metal studs and pretty much just doing the stuff that a 12-year-old does when they're working on a heavy construction site. (laughs) You know, telling people that you're actually 18, even though you don't even look a lick of 13. Yep. Um, So just been out there. And I mean, I school was just not easy for me. you know, I, I struggled with, I have ADHD and uh, I have some learning disabilities, like hey, nothing major, but, you know, you have this, they call it an individualized learning plan, something like that, that like they help you. School tries to set you up so you can learn better, but in reality, it just, sometimes it just makes your life a little bit more miserable. Yep. And, uh, and it just wasn't my damn school was just not it and i didn't fail anything but damn close came close to a lot of them you know like i had a lot of sit downs with teachers at the end of the semester going if you don't do this you're gonna fail so you know just school wasn't my thing but then you sit down with the guidance counselors and they're like you you gotta go to college you're not gonna you're not gonna make it doing anything not in college and being stubborn and stuff like that just not knowing what to do with myself so Oh, drywall it is. 
and I, my, my father, you know, God bless him. He's just like, he's, he's a great tradesman, but he has no patience for, uh, like, like me and him working together, buttonheads all day long. We're best friends, but buttonheads all day long. And he never growing up, never really told me what, like a carpenter makes, you know, during what they make a year, you know, you think you look at tradesmen and even though my parent, my father was one, like you don't, you don't understand what they're making or, or how well they have it. So you have this stigma that they're not making shit, you know, they're, they're just some, the bums, which is sad. You don't want to, you don't want to start off like that. Yeah. But, but in, that's how I mean, it was. in reality, they're making damn good money. Yeah, and now now that I've been in it for been fifteen years, like yeah, things are going great. Yeah. But you don't. No one explains to you that. You everybody says you get out of college, you're gonna get this great job, and you're gonna you're going to make all this great money. But until everybody gets out of college, you see your friends spend four years and go, yeah, I'm making ten bucks an hour. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, like you didn't like. I got out of high school i went and drywalled for a little bit with my dad and i ended up getting a just kind of like fake scholarship to one of those schools you see on like spike tv you know the like automotive schools yep and luckily i bailed out of that and i because i happened to talk to some operator out on on a job and i was like i'm gonna get a job in dirt i love dirt you know who doesn't love equipment and yeah, it just it blossoms from there, and there's, you start to learn things from from the people you work with. Well, there's there's a few a few things here I want to point out. Yeah, yeah. The one I feel like a lot of people in this trade have quote unquote learning disabilities, like they did not yeah. do very well in school. But a learning like a quote unquote learning disability is something that hinders you from learning in a classroom. But that's not the only way to learn. And it's, so it's just like exactly. this it's this made up term that screws these kids from from day one that puts them behind because they don't learn like the traditional format. But everyone in this industry has quote unquote learning disabilities and they're all doing just fine for themselves. Oh, exactly. exactly. I mean, I understand the school system can't try to individualize everybody's learn the way they learn. I get that. You know, they, they're barely making it right now as it is. But you know, to to say you're not gonna like amount to anything because you're you know struggling to to do algebra, there's got to be something where like people of like myself that didn't learn that way. More, I'm a more hands-on, visual. Like you do it once in front of me, I'm just gonna learn it and I'm gonna learn it better. And then eventually, my goal is to learn it better than the way you did it and more effectively yeah. than than you know you've done it. So. It's just it's just different ways of doing things. Yeah, it's it, and, and it started to frustrate me. And then the the other point you said was about college, how you go to college and you get a great job afterwards and make a bunch of money, which is just flat out bullshit. Like I I don't make the argument for or against college anymore. I think college is a great thing if you go into it with the right mindset. Hey, I'm going to take four years to learn more about myself and figure out what I want to do with my life. That's great. But if you come out of it expecting this great job and making a ton of money, that does not exist anymore. Like there is no, that does not exist based on what I have seen and what reality looks like. And then you have all these guys going into trades, making a killing 18, 20, 22 years old, and then even out earning all of these college graduates their entire life. Like it's they, the operators, they, they still make more money than a majority of college graduates, you know, 30 years later. It's, it's amazing. Oh I, yeah. But I mean, like, how do they sell college? How do you sell college to somebody? <laughs> you got to tell them that they're going to make a killing and all the money they're going to spend. Maybe some people, and, and I'm sure you've seen it. Some people need that college to realize this isn't for me, you know, that need to go there and go, wow, this isn't. And, but then they've already spent all the money, Yeah, you know, but you know, you get out of, like, for me, I got out of high school. I did some drywall stuff, talked to that guy. I ended up getting a job laboring for this co local company for $8 an hour. So you start off and you're like, great, $8 an hour. Wow. Now all your friends are in college 
or, you know, some of them are in college and they're, they're looking at you like, oh, you're, you didn't go to college. You're making $8 an hour. Mm-hmm. When we get out, we're going to make $120,000. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And you don't know the difference. But then $8 turned into 10 and 10 turned into 12, 12 turned into 14 and onwards and onwards. And we're doing pretty good nowadays. So, so, and like my wife got a master's degree in social work and I mean, she does very well for herself, but at the beginning, you know, you come out of school with hundred grand in debt and you, she's making $8 an hour. So what's the difference? I just, <laughs> and I just remember like there were a few moments where I was working construction over the summers, primarily while I was in college. Like I was, I was just sitting in a, and I think I've talked about this before, sitting in a job trailer on the railroad. It was like four in the morning, looking at what all my friends were doing back home, you know, just, just, just doing whatever college kids do. And I felt like such an asshole because it was like, man, I'm out here in a job trailer in the middle of nowhere working for not that much money. It's four in the morning. It's like a Saturday because we work Saturday, Sunday, and I just worked last yep. night and you, you just feel like a total idiot, but like in, 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 which sucks. Like it really, that really bums me out. But then long term, you're you are just fine. Like you are oh, just fine. Yeah. But is there, like that's the thing is there's no way to explain that. Even though you can you can explain it until you're blue in the face that like I was fine. But some eighteen year old kid that gets out of school, he doesn't realize that you know, or she doesn't you know like no one. There's no way to explain to a person. No matter how hard you're working, yeah, you work you work fifty hours a week for ten dollars an hour. Your friends have been partying, but they're amounting. They're just racking up debt right now. Yeah, and and, and in four years, and I, I will say, I think so. You know, they go into school at eighteen. Usually, they come out at twenty two. At twenty two in the trade, you start to realize that. You start to realize, okay, I I, I got a car payment now, and my friends are coming out of school, going, what What do we do now? Hmm. <laughs> And I I saw that when I was working as a laborer, I would have, I'd go over to my friend's houses and their moms would ask, you know, oh, so what are you doing? And I'd, you know, hey, I'm working in construction this summer. And they'd feel so bad for me. And they, 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 they would, they wouldn't get it. They're like, why, why are you, why are you doing that? And to me, it made sense. But to them, it made zero, zero sense because that was looked down upon. They felt bad for me. It's like, no, 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 I, I don't. I don't need you to feel bad for me. I feel bad for you because you've never worked and used your back to earn money. And there, there's just so much value. And that's the thing is like for these young kids, I think we have to sell the value of the doing the work itself because the money is great. But if you're just looking at the money, you're going to burn out. It's the value oh, yeah. of the work, the value of building things, the value of sitting there, busting your ass for a day and looking back at like, Hey, I just did that. And that feels really good. Or, the value of the camaraderie with the people that you work with. There's so much value beyond just the dollars that you can see almost immediately um, that, that we, I think we really have to sell as an industry. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I think first, when you first get into this career in these fields and any trade, basically you look at it like, okay, I need to make money. But now, now as I've, I've grown older, you know, to be able to drive on a road that I, that I helped build or graded or, or drive by a building and you're like, I know where like the sewer, I know where the sewer service is here or, you know, or, or just overhearing conversations like your friends, are, now your friends are buy, buying houses and they think a leach field involves just a tank and there's no, there's, Oh, the tank is, the tank has failed. No, it's not the tank. It's the field itself. Like, you know, it's, there's a field, that big flat spot where you guys are putting a patio there and, 10 years, you might be digging that up yeah. because there's a, there's a leach field under there. So the knowledge, just, just knowing construction, you know, with my parent, my father's background in carpentry and then excavation, like we built our house four years ago, five years ago now. And I did a lot of the work. So that was just, and now I can look back and go, Oh yeah. I remember when I hung the mantle here, or we hung the drywall or did the, foundation drain i know where that comes out there's so much more reward to the trades than just the money so you started out you know doing the doing the basics getting paid not very much money how do you work your way into equipment because this is a question i'm asked all the time is how do i get into equipment and well 
start with a shovel in your hand, bust your ass, look for opportunities. So how did, how did you do it? I, and, and, uh, and that's a non-union yeah. answer, you know, union's different. Oh, yeah. but how did you do oh, it? Oh yeah. So, you know, like where, where I'm from the union, like our state is not that strong. So it was never really an option unless I wanted to drive to Boston, which I have no, no want to do that. I did that doing carpentry, but so I started off running the shovel for this company, making eight bucks an hour. And I was working with this supervisor who was a larger man. So he didn't get out of the machine very often. So I essentially got to learn how to do the layout because, you know, for him to pound stakes, he'd have to get out of the machine. He didn't want to do that. So, you know, he'd be like, kid, go pound a stake in there and then learn the grades. The grades are really important when not only like laboring, but knowing where your cuts and fills are or in excavation, it's, it's engineer's math. Most of us run in tents. So learning the tents, not because that's the most difficult thing in the world, but just learning as much as you can about grades and pipe work and, and how to shovel. If you can efficiently shovel and rake, you can transfer that over to the machines at some point. And then also I worked with a bunch of other kids my age. So when somebody needed to run the loader, we would literally wrestle for it. You know, this is just, it was just good fun, but I'm getting the loader. No, you getting, I'm getting the loader. And we'd literally wrestle. No one fought, but who could get to the loader faster? So then the more machine time you have, you know, you start with, usually you start with a loader, skid steer, and then, oh, a bulldozer showed up with a job. And the guy I worked with, he didn't really like running bulldozers. So go push dirt, go push dirt. And then, and then, oh, the excavator's freed up during lunchtime. Oh, and the trucks are rolling in. Why don't you try to load trucks? It's just, it's your want, it's, it's your drive to be in the equipment, I would say. And also, there's some talent involved. There's guys out there, you can look at them and be like, you've been in this for 10 years and you still don't get it. It's sad. You don't want to tell somebody, I don't think you're ever going to make it as an operator. But it, there's something about it, maybe hand-eye coordination, I don't know. There are, talent, talent does play a role. And yeah. I guess what I'm, what I'm hearing, for the sake of clarity, is that someone didn't just walk up to you and say, oh, Oh, hey, Pat. Oh, you want to be an equipment operator? Well, here's the keys. Go have fun, buddy. You had to create the opportunities for yourself, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, yeah there could be somebody that's listening to this right now, and they're, they, that's how they got on. Somebody said, here's the keys. Figure it out. I'm sure that's happened. There's no, like, set. I guess I've gotten that question before, too. You know, how do I get in equipment? Uh, there's no set way. There's different opportunities, too. Somebody quit. Oh, you! Somebody's got to run that piece of equipment. Uh, oh, you you grew up on a farm. Okay, well you know how to run tractors. You can run. I've seen that happen. They got like around here. There's a school. I don't. There's an equipment school. I'm not. You know, there's just different ways of doing things. And when you get that question, whether DM or out on the job, how do I get an equipment? There's just no answer to it. No, but but nine out of ten times, it's start with a damn shovel in your hand. Uh, I mean, exactly. based on what I've, what I've learned. And that's, I think that's why our industry is struggling right now to get people is that there's no set way to do it. And we, you know, we've conditioned kids to just follow the set way. And that's what school does. You know, okay, you go into the next grade and this is what you study and college, this is how you apply. And these are the courses you take in for, for this, this major. And then you go to the career fair and okay, here are the, here are the companies that you can apply for. And everything's laid out for these kids and then construction. That's just not the case. Nothing's laid out. And, and so that's, it, it, it causes problems with this, this younger generation because they've been conditioned to just follow the path that's laid out for them. There's nothing wrong with being a career laborer. That's, like, that's a great point. There's nothing. There's guys I've worked with them and it's, it's not great that a lot of the career laborers you look at and not, I'm not, I'm not generalizing, but there's a lot of them that, you look at them and go, okay, they don't have a license. They have an issue with substances. They, you know, there's a lot of them out there, but there, when you work with a guy that just is happy being a laborer and wants to learn as much as they can about being a laborer, they're some of the most useful person, uh, people out on the job. You know, when you work with a good laborer, they they can just make a job go 
so much simpler. You know, you, you were always trying to get as close as we can with the machines to like ease his stuff up, ease stuff up for, for laborers. But when you got one that's like, Hey, quit like fucking around trying to get in this corner. It's going to take me three minutes to shovel this while you keep going, doing this. There's just nothing better than it. Well, and they're, they're so, sold. They're sold as like the low man on the totem pole, but especially in positions like, like pipe crews and, and this and that, these guys are so skilled and there's an enormous difference between a skilled laborer and an unskilled laborer. And oh, yeah. like, that's how I grew up. I grew up around these guys that have been laborers their entire life. That's, that's what they did. And they were absolute studs. I mean, they made the company so much money. They moved so damn fast. And I think that's another fallacy that's being sold right now, especially online in this world, is that like everyone can move up so everyone can become the boss. And and it's just it's irrational because most people don't really necessarily want to be the boss. Like you don't you don't need to be the boss to do something with your life and, and go create the life that you want. And then secondly, not everyone has that skill set. You know, some people have the skill set of being a laborer. Some people have the skill set of being an operator. It's a, just a different skill set. And if you don't have it, you, it, it's it's fine. Like you don't need to be the owner of a of a company to have a great life. I think it's 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 a it's just a bill of goods that's not exactly aligned with reality that I've seen lately. Oh yeah, I mean, so to get back on my timeline there, like what I did. So I left that smaller company to go to this bigger housing development company. I went there right before the crash started, but I, I started to work with some, some better people. And the supervisor I had, this guy, Bill, who I still talk to almost weekly. He's one of those guys. He just, I mean, he can run equipment, but he is 64 years old and would still rather be down in a hole swinging pipes yeah. than, than, you know, digging pipes. He knows he's the guy's a bull and, and, I remember my first day out on the job with them. We're doing layout. We're pulling center line. And this is before, well, I want to say before GPS, but the company didn't have GPS. So it's pulling offset. And it was like 100 degrees outside. And if you've ever worked out on like a new development, there's no trees. Just you're in the middle of the road. And it was, I was dying. I mean, dying. And this guy at the time was probably, oh, 50. He just ran circles around me and laughed the whole time. And I was like, Guys, he's an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> like I can't give up. What an asshole! But you get to like, I got to know this guy, and he just, he just eats being tougher than everybody else. Eats it. I've seen him eat a sandwich in his raincoat outside because he didn't want to get his truck wet, and he didn't want to take his raincoat off. So it's pouring rain. He's eating the sandwich. The rest of us are hiding in, hiding in our equipment. He just, it's like, he called me. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, coming Friday, it was five degrees. We were working, com- complaining that they shut his crew down because it was so cold. And he's like, I'm the only one outside. I should be the one making this call. <laughs> 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 that, that's the great thing. And like, there's, there's so many different aspects of like this, this field that you can create pretty much anything you want. I agree. And, and that's a great point. I think people lose sight of that a lot. Keeping on uh, a timeline, you go to work in, in residential, and then yep. you went to work for a big company, didn't you, at, at one point? And that's what you left to go work for where you're working now? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I hopped around a little bit. I went to Canada for a while, ran some big gear out there, plowed snow in Montreal. That was totally crazy the way everything's done up there. I come back, and it's still like the recession. I meet this girl who is now my wife and her father runs a big granite quarry, like quarrying, uh, curbing. So he's in charge of all that. And he hooked me up with a crushing company. They didn't pay well. It wasn't a great situation, but I mean, it got me working. And then I just bounced around a little bit. I went to another company that was, they call it the, the army. And they were incredible dirt movers, incredible dirt movers. But it's a yell and scream day, yell and scream kind of company all day long. You know, the owner's truck pulls on the job and your heart drops. One of those, like, what am I going to get yelled at for today? Hmm. And uh, I went from, essentially, like, went there to just labor because I needed, I wanted a better job. 
and I went and labored and I, you know, worked my way up into a, to a D10 during the winter pushing coal. So that was, that was interesting, but you know, things just, I butted heads with some people coming out of thinking I was better than I was. And, you know, it just didn't work out. So I moved to a, another big company and started, you know, as a, as a bulldozer operator, essentially just running bulldozer. And, uh, they had two greater operators and one of them had recently passed away. So they only had, they were down to one. They had hired a guy out of Vermont that just wasn't cutting it. And I was running the bulldozer in front of them and the paving contractor pulled my boss aside and said, just let this kid, let this kid just try it. Just try the grader. And, uh, I hopped in the grader and the deal was as I'm grading, Lynn, the older guy would show up afterwards and just touch everything up, finish things off. And when he told me I was off the road, I would just park my grader and I'd just watch him. I'd chase him grade stakes, everything. And I just learned from this guy and he was an incredible grader operator. So just learning all the little tricks and just working with him, I eventually got pretty good. It was one of those like dream jobs. You know, everybody around here, grader, like out in California, those guys are, they're great. They're great in whole subdivisions, like the pads and everything. The material's perfect. But here we're in the granite phase. Like you're grading gravel and you're not really grading anything else. Mm-hmm. So, so I worked on that and uh, me and Tom have talked about this before. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever like gotten good at something so good that you're punished for it? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever it, heard that saying? Yep. I have and I've seen it. It's, it's a weird phenomenon. It, it is. So I'm grading and Lynn finally retired. They had another guy. And when before they, the older guy, Lynn, retired, we were like a team. He'd take one side of the road, I'd take the other side of the road, we'd meet in the middle, and boom, done. Or or he, I'd work night shift, he'd work the day shift, and we'd be done. You know, like if we're doing a weekend project grading some parking lot that had to be done in a weekend. I'd, I'd grade behind the reclaimers, he'd come in, do finish, boom, we're done. And when he left, it got to the point where like, Okay, the other guy, uh, he's not cutting it. So you're going to work all night, and then you're going to get a hotel. You're going to sleep for three hours, and you're going to work all day. Or we're not even going to call him in. You're going to come finish it. And it just got to grinding. I had a daughter at the same time. You know, it just it was just it was starting to wear on me. Mm-hmm. And and my my attitude was changing, which I'm a pretty happy person most of the time. But my attitude's changing, and I just. I couldn't do it anymore. And I thought about leaving for a long time. And at the same time, I was helping Tom do some stuff. I had helped him stump one weekend the year before. And he called me and he was like, oh, you want to run bulldozer on that same job for a weekend? And I said, sure, trade me your mini. I got some stuff to do at the house. And I'll go run it for the weekend. So as I'm running the bulldozer on the weekend, jokingly, I had said, this would have been done already if I just came to work for you. And he, you know, he he laughed it off. And about half an hour later, he called me and he was like, would you come work for us? And I was like, you know, this is what I have at this company. If you guys can match it, I'm gone. And it just worked out that way. And it worked out to the better. We're three man band. They own the company. They treat me like, maybe not as an owner, but man, I everything's an open book. I can ask them things. It, it's just revolutionary, like the way that we're doing things. And I couldn't be any happier. Having that transparency and them sharing information about the business with you at an operator level, how does that help you be a better operator and do your job better? Yeah, you call me an operator, but like I run, like there's a job in Hampton right now. I'm sure you've seen pictures of it that. I'm pretty much running. They've kind of left me alone there. It's, it's complicated. Yep. But when I start any job, they, he, they print me out the whole bid sheet. They hid money where they're, where they're real tight to get, you know, there's some numbers there. Okay. We're going to a little tight here because we've got to get this, how we get to get the job. I know the quantities of the material I can use. And, and they just understand, you know, I, sometimes 
we'll sit down before a job, maybe not sit down, but talk about a job before I start it. And they have an idea of how they're going to do it. And then being tr- so transparent, I can say, you know, what if we did it this way? We could save a step or we could save a load of something. It just, it just having all the information right in front of you and not hiding anything just makes things so much simpler. Something I'm very passionate about giving giving our people within our business all the information so they're empowered to make decisions. It's just something that's not common in the construction world, and it's always confused me as to why it's not. Because, like, if you didn't have that information, how the hell would you uh, effectively manage that project? Like, you'd just be walking around in the dark, and and you could. It's not. You wouldn't be able to perform as well. But then, and then at traditional companies, then it's your fault for you not performing, but how the hell do you perform and how do you win a game when you don't even know what the score is? It's, it's, it's amazing to me that more companies don't. And I know you guys are small and I know it's different on the, on the big, big picture side of things, but it's, it's still a no brainer to share that information with everyone out in the field because they're the ones actually doing the work. When, when everything's a secret, you think you're doing great. No, I only got four loads of stone on this job and I only got this material and I have this much labor cost right now. And then, they look at it in the office and go, well, you're way over budget. Well, how, how did I know I was way over budget? I may, might have done something differently. It's not always about how they would do it. It's more the common goal of as long as it gets done mm-hmm. in a timely fashion. You know, I, I mean, I remember getting yelled at of the way the trucks on a different company, the way the trucks were dumping because they weren't, they weren't, it wasn't the most efficient way in which you always, in your mindset, you learn, you always want to do the most efficient way, but it doesn't always happen that way. No, it's not always the most efficient way, but as long as the goal at the end of the day is reached, then, I mean, some people might say, well, then you lost money. Well, did we, maybe we lost a little bit of money, but not everybody's miserable. It could be that. People, people on the internet don't get that. They think it's black and white and they just say, well, that's not the most efficient way. It's like, there's not necessarily a most efficient way with anything in this industry. There's so many different ways to do the exact same thing and potentially reach the same goal at the end of the day. And, and, but everyone wants it to be black and white. Like, nope, that's not the way I do it. It's like, well, okay, great. Yeah. Maybe your way is right. And maybe my way is also right. Like, there's not a right and wrong here. But people are so hell-bent on saying, nope, that's not the way I do it, so it's wrong. It's like, eh, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily wrong, man, because they're still making a ton of money. So I don't know. If I don't know. Uh, making, making a ton of money is not necessarily wrong at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the internet's brutal, though. I mean, it's. You try to like spread like how happy you are. I'm always trying to be positive, you know, and not just things don't go negatively, but there's so much negativity in the world right now that we don't, you know, like I don't want to be spewing more negativity. You post something and you, you're like, oh, look how cool this is. And they're like, well, why'd you do it that way? That was stupid. <laughs> oh, you're digging over your drives. Well, yeah, but you didn't see 30 seconds ago before this video that I got done doing something that spun around and started doing something else, and it was there was no point of spinning around the whole tr- undercarriage so I can dig, so I can dig the the quote unquote right way, or yeah, we have end cons and all these accessories and people are digging with that thing. Okay, well you know we know how rugged they are. We we know when to take them off. Like come on, yep, just tone it down a bit. There's no, we're not all at cats proving grounds in the same exact dirt doing the same exact thing and and there's some companies out there that have fooled people into thinking that everything is like a production setting where it's like yeah. you're loading off of a bench in uh, trucks and everything's perfect and the material's perfect and and it's so far from reality so far oh. from reality and it drives me nuts that people think that that's reality yeah we don't have a D8 setting up the bench behind the excavator. You know, the excavator is building the bench as he's doing, going, yeah. if we're even on a bench. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think I've done one, since I've worked for New Era, I've done one bench cut. And that was this year in someone's backyard. And it only lasted six hours. You know, like we weren't on a bench for four weeks. <laughs> you know, it's just like that. that's the only, everything's different every time. And then you get into, for us, you get into ledge. So you have this perfectly set up area 
to dig the way you want to do it. And then you right over the ledge. Great. Okay. Change everything around. So it's not perfect. And then you get people going, should have bought this piece of equipment. You should have done this. And it's, it's comical sometimes to listen or read the messages or the comments that we get. It's just really, yeah, yeah, that might work in Arizona, but it doesn't work here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, traveling has has opened my eyes to that kind of stuff. But uh, I mean, Tom, I get I get comments all the time, but but Tom, he's on, he's big on YouTube, and YouTube yeah. by far is the most brutal place on the internet for equipment, yeah, videos. Like it's just, I, it's terrible. Those people, all they do is just rip you apart. It seems like. I, I mean, I, it's not even me, but sometimes I, I'll go on Tom's videos and just read comments. It's horrendous. Like, you, Instagram isn't even close no. to what the people say on that page. It's like, wow, you know. And then you click on their profiles or you do a little, you know, little web sleuthing and figure out these people. And you're like, oh, sweet. You, you drive a tractor or, you know, you, you have a lawnmower. <laughs> lawnmower and you're, you're a dirt mover yeah, I don't know it's craziness the way people think other people should do things it's yeah, it's, it's funny uh, I mean we see it we see more of it than most with how much exposure you guys get even as a small company and then where we're at it's it's just it's fascinating so you're helping managing projects running equipment building stuff working side by side with Craig and Tom what's uh, I mean how, how old are you right now I'm 32. 32. So you got a lot of time on the yeah. clock. So what, yeah. I mean, what does the future look like for you? Um, I mean, I don't see any reason to leave New Era anytime soon. So I, I, it's great to be on the ground level of this company because they're just so, they're in with the times. You know, they, Tom and Craig and, and I, myself, like we, we spend most nights sending pictures, uh, Instagram photos to each other in this little group chat and being like, oh, check this out. Check out this hook lift. Man, how cool would it be to have a hook lift with different attachments? Or Craig drives, Craig goes nutty a little bit because me and Tom are just all about the attachments. But, uh, you know, how, oh, like Craig, vectors. Vectors are like revolutionary. Like we're, everybody's going to have a vector. As the company grows, Essentially, we're trying to do everything as efficiently as possible with the least amount of people. Not because I, I foresee the company growing. I foresee that in the future. But, you know, what if we could eliminate some of the, uh, I can't make it in today, I got the shit, or uh, my car didn't start, and do it with more mechanical means, less labor, then, you know, as we grow the company, it'll be really cool to see, like, wow, they... You know, there's only, say, five of them, and they did this with a company next door. They got 15 employees, and they're doing the same amount of work. So that's that's the way we, we like to do things. We're tight, but we have fun. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having fun on the job. It is cool so. to see how much you guys knock out with just three of you. And Tom, Tom, he has a whole other gig, too. You know, he's like kind of like a half guy. It's, it's, a, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. to see the projects you guys are taking on today. And, and how much work you do with, with just only a few people. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, since his podcast, he, his parents have retired. So now he's full-time. Oh, no kidding. So now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. So, so now, like, there's three of us. And, I mean, we have a lot of work backed up. But, like, last week or two weeks ago, we realized, shit, we need another kill rotator. Because we only had one. So we are trading it in between the 316 and the 200. Now, I got the 200 locked up on a job in Hampton which essentially it can't leave and I need it to backfill or get into these crazy tight corners. And then, then you spend, it's funny. Like you, once you have the tail rotators, you spend a day without it and you're like, Oh God, I could have been done already with, with this, with it, with a tail rotator. So we ended up getting to the point where Tom, Tom and Craig were like, we need to get a second one. So we got a second one last week. So now you're like, True tail rotators. We're swinging around and we're getting all kinds of stuff done. And having Tom like full time now, we're we're gonna have the ability to take on some some much different work and much bigger work. So that'll be coming up this year. You'll see people will start seeing some of the stuff we're getting into. 
and that I, I, if things keep going the way they're going this year, I, I see some growth, maybe not crazy employee growth, but equipment growth and needs for the company. Yeah. So that'll be really, really cool. So being on the ground floor is just, it's definitely a dream. I, I know like owning a company is is a lot of people's dreams, but just being as involved as I am with their company, it's, I get to get to be part of it without having the stress of owning it. I get to go home on Saturday and not thinking about the job. And that's what I was going to say. Most people, they don't want to own a company. They don't really know yeah. what it takes and, and the bullshit you have to put up with. And it's just not the lifestyle a lot of people want to live. Like you want to go home to your wife and, and daughter and spend time with them and be able to just, hey, I'm going to turn work off. Where as if you're owning a company, that doesn't happen. And that's that's not a lifestyle most people want. They, they, they think they want to own a company because they want the freedom they want the ability to enjoy in the spoils of building something. You know, hey, I want there to be a financial return for me if I'm putting in all of my time and effort into this. And and they want some sort of security. Uh, but if you provide those things, which it sounds like you have those things at your level, you don't need to own a company. Like it's it's a I think it's a misconception that you need to own a company to to have all of those things that you that you really do want. Yeah, I, I mean it took me a long time to, to learn that. You know, but I have taken, since I'm working for them, I've taken more vacation time than they have. Both of them combined. Yeah. You know, Tom travels, I mean, this year is a little screwed up, but Tom traveled quite a bit the first year I was there for different things. A lot of it was prepped for uh, Con Expo, you know, the competition and stuff like that. But in August, and it's funny because August is usually like go, go time. Most weekends in August, the past two years, I have taken three-day weekends because that's where like it's the best for my family to to have our little vacations you know we rent a rent a lake house usually in august and i'll take two three days before memorial day or labor day the labor day which one yeah whatever yeah so i get to leave in august you know they craig will give me shit but they don't you know they don't care they you know they figure it out that's that's also the great thing about them is like i can say hey i got a doctor's appointment next week uh i gotta leave at two o'clock and it's not like a oh well come on we were gonna do this it's okay we'll figure it out most of the time i would say 100 percent of the time because there's times that shit needs to get done you know and, and i get that but i left the company where you didn't take a doctor's appointment till the winter and still in the winter it was like well we had you at the pit on that wednesday in a month and i understand like schedules in this industry but also that is something that has to change. Like there has to be some level yeah. of flexibility because people have outside lives. Like people have families, people have things they need to take care of outside of work. Work is not the end all be all. And yet these construction companies, they just demand so much from everybody. And my generation, like we don't want to have to put up with that because there are so many other opportunities now that are a lot more oh, flexible yeah. and do say, you know, Hey, you do have a life outside of work and that's okay. And, and so yeah. We, we need to, I think we, that needs to change in this industry. We need to be more flexible in people's lives because it's just, it, it, it's starting to get out of control and, and making people, you know, making it mandatory to work 80 hours a week is not sustainable. I mean, I, when I had my first daughter, my oldest, she, my wife was changing jobs and my mother takes care of my, the kids on Monday and Tuesday. So my wife's changing jobs and my mother couldn't, handle Monday and Tuesday for some reason I forgot what but I was like okay in I think it was a month or two months maybe two months notice I am taking this Monday and Tuesday off and it was I remember the owner of the company coming out and being like seriously two days off in September like what are we who's gonna grade and I'm like the other grader operator yeah that's like that's who's gonna grade well you know well and to the point where he wanted to bring, have me bring my kids down to the office and have the secretaries watch my child while I worked all day. And I was like, it's not, no. And like, and I think in his mind, that was a great idea. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to provide him childcare. Yeah. But no, my kid's not going with some stranger from the office for two days while I go grade. My job's not that important. 
Like it's important, but it's not that important. <laughs> so, it, it is amazing. And, and that's yeah. not like a one-off thing either. Stuff like that happens all the time in this industry. And it, it's a bummer oh. to watch because that's what leads to, um, you know, all the divorces that you see and, and the resentment and the, the substance abuse. And a lot of that is, is the, that's kind of the contributing factors. They just don't let people live their, their lives outside of work. Yeah. I mean, I, how many guys have you seen that? Like you have to go home and drink a six pack and their wife, you know, they chose their, their moving dirt over their wives and their kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Which it, I, it's all the time. You know, yeah. Everybody. So it, it's, it's sad to see. Uh, terrible, but you know, dirt isn't. I love dirt. It's my favorite thing to do, but it's not that important. If the build with thing doesn't work out, do you think I can get a job there? Oh, for sure. I mean, you're always talking about how plowing so exciting. You come here tomorrow, I will quit you. I will. I will talk to the owner of the the landscape company there, the plowing company that we we work for, and he will put you in a loader, guaranteed. You can have the loader I plow, and I'll sit at home. You know, Pat, maybe we can work something out here. Yeah, I mean, it's a 28-foot metal flat, like how you can bendy wings and all kinds of stuff. Like, you can you can have it. That is a, that will, is a fancy plow. It is a, it's a very fancy. Sometimes it's too fancy, but I love it. You know, that things like that, a brand-new loader, that big plow, like, it makes plowing way more enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, being where I used to be like being essentially locked into a site for 30 hours straight is just not, not really that amusing anymore. You know, when you're younger, you get that, they can, I see it. They probably with some kids right now that are the same way, but I've been up for 48 hours. Well, you know what? I'd rather just be home. You know, there's just like this hard out, hard out. Like I've been up and I've been plowing since three days ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. I slept in my truck and I, you know, I've done all that. I'm good. The family thing <laughs> probably changes everything too. Once you have yeah. a reason to be home, you're like, all right, you know, I, I would just rather be home than, than doing that. Yeah. And, Not that I, I mean, know. You, well, you, you might know eventually though. Uh, well, eventually. Plow, yeah. Hopefully yeah, not well, soon. Well, you plow all these, these storms and then you get home and like, they're going to shovel the walkway and, and like my father-in-law plows the driveway enough to like get my wife out to work and whatever. But then, you know, I sleep a little bit. I got to fire up the tractor and plow the driveway. It's it's snow. And then you think about it, it's just stuff that's going to melt later. You know, we'll just let it be and it'll melt in a couple months and we'll never have to deal with it again. Well, but, have you seen the, the real fancy homes with the heated driveways? Uh, my neighbor has one. Okay, yeah. yeah, that that's that's the way to do it. And he's probably looking at you like, yeah, what an idiot. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. He, uh, it's not like I live in a fancy development, but the neighbor has a 500 foot driveway and it's every time I come home after a storm, it's wet and it's like, great, thanks. <laughs> I can't imagine, but I know like, cause we work on a lot of fancier homes for new era, like a lot of fancier homes. And one of the houses we're doing now, they're planning on a heated driveway and I know how much propane those burn. Mm hmm. So he can have a seated driveway because I'm good. You know, I'd rather burn a little bit of diesel in the tractor than uh, the amount of propane that I know he's doing. Fair enough. But he's but, just yeah. he's just sitting sitting next to the fireplace, nice and cozy, just counting, probably counting his money, like propane bill, not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm coming home and I'm bringing cordwood in the house to get the wood stove going, and then <laughs> and then falling asleep. And snow plowing is. There's a lot of people that love it. There's a lot of people that hate it. It's it's a blood sport, I'd call it. You know, it's yeah. just it's white gold is people call oh white gold. It's not not as a, as cracked up as it seems to be. There's a lot of these, and some people might understand me, but plowing sickness, you get like this anxiety. Yeah, and you've been eating Sour Patch Kids and monsters at 3 a.m. Oh, like God. it's just not. Yeah, I mean that's not always the case, but it's just not normal. Well, and I, it, to make it even worse, I see some people plowing while listening to this podcast and I just, I feel really bad for them then. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I usually put you on, you know, for a nap time. Yeah. 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 I was, I was going to say, this isn't something to keep you awake. Jeez. And if you're using it as no. such, it's, it's really bad then. No, actually.
actually, man, your your podcast is just such a great thing for for this field and any any trade. Like, do plumbers have a podcast? Maybe. Like, they they should. They should. Because like just listening to you guys, even the business owners and 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 you know like Jared McNeely. Like, I didn't think I was gonna like that episode. I'm not a dirt bike guy, but like just listening to him and everybody's got this passion for for this trade. You know, the the guy that owns Bellwether, he wasn't actually in this, right? He wasn't actually a dirt guy or a logging guy. So, like, everybody just grows this passion for for dirt or equipment. And it's just like the Instagram people. It's like you have this, like, just feeling of, yeah. like, wow, these people are in, in it with me. And we get to share pictures and share our stories. Like, how awesome is well, the most so, exciting part about it for me is when my friends who have nothing to do with earth moving keep telling me like, yeah, now I see, now I see machines like everywhere I go. Like now, now I just get excited about seeing machines. I've never been like this in my life. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like that's what, that's what happens here. And they're everywhere. Like you start to realize how dependent you are on this industry and then you start to appreciate it more and more. Um, so that's, that's, I, I like, I like showing people that have nothing to do with this industry and will have nothing to do with this industry, what goes into it. Cause then at least they have an appreciation for it. Cause like my joke is like, no one could, it, no one could do anything like no one could do something as simple as taking a shit without this world. Like that is yeah. how fundamental we are to society. And once they understand that there's this level of appreciation that they gain for, for these people out doing the work. Like if you look around, there isn't anything that you see other than like nature itself but the roads the houses the buildings the anything that we you know we didn't move there for yep so th there isn't anything and 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 the amount of stuff that it's water like think about how much work you do for water itself not just water pipe but drainage oh, and yeah. sewer that's great water like everything is water you have to build crowns and roads to get the water out. You look at the drainage in a parking lot. You got to get the water out. It's all grading things for water. And then you add like the building there and all the site prep. And as being in this trade, being able to drive around and be like, yeah, yeah, look how much, look how much dirt they move. Look at the cut in the back of that parking lot. You know, you don't see it from the road. It's, it's, it's road grade, you know, but then, you're driving by a, a Walmart, and in the back, there's a 40-foot cut. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow, how much, you know, who, where did they move all that dirt to? And what they have for iron here? And then you get into, like, I love this. There's a couple Facebook pages of, like, antique iron and, like, for us, like, New England construction and the Rockbusters page. And you can, like, see, like, people will post pictures of, like, these companies that move dirt. Like, oh, there's that, there's that shopping mall that, that's, you know, in a couple towns over, and here's all the pictures of the that company moving all that dirt, and it's just it's amazing. Like, who doesn't have, who doesn't get all like gung ho for for seeing equipment move dirt? Like, who doesn't? I don't care who you are. It's man, woman, or child. That's what I say. It's yeah. it's exciting to anybody. That's why, and I like doing what I do because I get to talk about it, and it's so unique. People don't really ever think about it. It's just such a fun topic rather than like, I mean, no offense to accountants, but I would not have nearly as exciting conversations if I were marketing accounting firms. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. You know, just the trades in general. So like anybody looking into this field coming out of high school or just wanting a change, even if it's not dirt work, like how cool is it to put your hands on something, say you did it, drive by that place or go in that building later on and say, I was here. I know where that pipe goes. I know that door. What even like a carpenter, what's on the other side of that door? Well, I've been back there. Uh, the, the pool cabana thing we're doing in Hampton or on the beach. For those of you who don't know where Hampton is, I don't know why I keep saying Hampton. Uh, <laughs> for us, like I'm, that place is going to be there for for years to come. Like when my kids are 20, I'm hoping they go to the beach. And when they're driving by that, that monstrous house in this infinity pool, they're going to be like, my dad did all that. Maybe not. They'll be like, maybe they'll roll their eyes and go, my dad, every time we go by here, 
says, oh, he did that. That's more likely. But, yeah, that's, yeah that's the likely one. But but like but at least they're even thinking about it. And what's even better yeah. is if you drive past a job that you did, pulling your fifth wheel on the way to vacation, like, yeah, I did that, and I'm pulling my fifth wheel, going to vacation. Yeah, yeah. See? And, and yeah, that's that's what a, I, I love being outside. So this this field for me is great. Carpentry, like, I can do it at my house. I, I did it when I was younger. But, like, being outside here and just going for a ride on the roads, and then we'll take a random turn, and I'll be like, honey, honey, guess, guess who... Guess who graded this road? Just guess. Just guess. And she's like, you. And I'm like, exactly. I did it. I did this road. And then she'll go, why is it ride like shit? (laughs) 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 I get DMs on Instagram. Probably not as much as you or Tom or anything. But anyone that wants to ask me questions about this field, I I love answering those. You know, yeah, I get the I am job posts. Oh, yeah. But who doesn't? Oh, yeah. Uh, or you get tricked. Have you been tricked yet? I was talking to one guy, you know, he's from Brazil and talking about graders once and how how great graders are. And then he's like, can you get me a job? And I was like, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Real, reels me in. Yep. Yeah, reels me in. But, you know, I get just different people that I just love this field. They're asked questions. I, I love answering questions. There's no, you know, unless you're being kind of a dink about it and asking a question in that why'd you do it that way but you know how come you guys are hammering with a hammer not a grinder like well because grinders don't work here you know I, i'll explain it dude like grinders don't work here trust me i know a company that has one it does not work on rock the rock's too hard and that's that's an important distinction you can ask the same question but with a different tone like Oh yeah. You don't have to be an ass about it. You can just ask the genuine question. You're going to get a genuine answer and you're better off that way than trying to assert your superior intellect by like criticizing by asking a question like, well, why the hell would you do it that way? Instagram and YouTube, it's just a plethora of knowledge Yeah. to see like the way people are moving dirt differently and go, Hey, I saw this. Why don't, can we try this? And then, you know, especially Tom and Craig, they're open to it. The information, it's a little information highway. So how do you not get all jacked up and go, yeah, let's do it this way and 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 see see the world differently in the eyes of people around the country, around the world, and learn their tricks and trades and of trades and stuff like that. So well, just for us, even local people, like I follow a bunch of local companies, people that we'll probably end up bidding against. So... And, and it's great because I talk to some of them, you know, some of them will DM me and be like, what are your thoughts on the NCON? And I'm like, and like, it'd be like, oh, talk to Tom. And they're like, no, 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 you're the one, you know, you've only been there a year. Some people think Tom's sponsored by people. It's not really the case. I've learned to that be able- there's no money yeah. in advertising in this industry. No, but, but if they're, no, com- no. if they're your competitors, do you say no NCON? Like it is the worst thing possible. This is. <laughs> Such a stupid uh, contraption. I would recommend that you do not get it. Sometimes you want to. It depends on who you message. Yeah. But most <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, no. Like we're we're all out here for the betterment of the trade, right? So if something's gonna work, like how do you say that's the stupidest invention I've ever run when you're running it? You know, <laughs> like, yep. like it, it's always on the machine. We just bought a second one because we need it. You know, like that we we, we want it. So being better for everybody is what we should be striving for better for the trades, better for the people in our trade. And you see the companies and you're right. I've heard you talk about these, these corporate profiles that are just spewing. We're the safest company in the world. And you don't want, you know, you don't want to work anywhere, but here and we, we own safety in reality. You lease safety. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's great to watch like Sergeant around here is a they're they're not they're out of Maine, right? And they do work in New Hampshire, but when they move into town, it's like holy crap, Sergeant's here, you know. So so to watch them and know that they're company employee owned and that they're doing all this awesome stuff for their employees and like bringing they have that sergeant school or whatever it's called, like how cool is that? And then you got other companies around here that are owned by multi 
billion dollar corporations and they're like, yeah, we're the best around. And you, and you work, you talk to the people that work there and they're like, yeah, they laid me off without any notice Said, see you in the spring. Yep. And, and, <laughs> and you know, like I were, I have a buddy that worked for a certain paving company. He's like, yeah, you'd Friday night, you get done at six o'clock and you see the low bed flying up the highway, the offer opposite direction of you and going, here comes the phone call. Oh, you guys are working tonight. And oh yeah, you're paving Sunday night too. Great, cool. Thanks for thinking about me and my family. No, they don't need to do that. People are people are disposable, Pat. Uh, it, yeah, and that's that's where I think these companies are starting to realize that's not the truth. And I, I hope they're starting to realize that they're starting. That people they're, aren't disposable. They're starting to realize it, but they still they're still act. They're they're not acting like it. They're going to have to start no. hurting big time to start acting like it. But the companies that do yeah. get it now are going to be at an enormous advantage. When I left that bigger company to go to New Era, I was like, there was a, there's a big group of people that were very unhappy there. Very unhappy. Like it was, it was like you'd go on a job and be like, so are you still thinking about leaving? Yeah, I'm thinking about leaving. You still thinking about leaving? Yeah, I'm just going to leave. So I left. And no one really followed me. I mean, I wasn't expecting people, but I remember this summer, I get a phone call from one of my supervisors. It's like, hey, are you, are you happy you left? Are you still happy? I'm like, yeah, I fucking love it. All right, I'm giving my notice. And like, they've lost a lot of people because of the theory that everyone's replaceable and any, you know, like, oh, you know, yeah, you're dating. They were struggling. They, they had people that, they were hiring for more money just to get people in than the guys that were already there doing their job. Mm. So then guys were figuring out that they're making more money, which money's not always a thing, but that's kind of insulting. You yeah. Imagine you're making 25 bucks an hour. And then some guy that had that's never even done a thing for your company, he comes in at $28 an hour yeah. and then says it to you. And you're like, how many hours did I put in here? Yeah. How, that's a, know, that's like, a quick way to, quick way to build resentment. And so guys are leaving that way and just a multitude of things. And they've lost a lot of people. So they, from what I understand, are revamping the way they're thinking things, which is sad because how long did it take for you to realize you need to revamp things? Yeah. How many, how many, even like the companies you work with that are revamping things, how long did it take? How many guys did they lose until they went, shit, we can't be going this way anymore. Well, fortunately, I mean, most of our, or the companies we work with, they've kind of realized it before that happens. Yeah, yeah, like like Sergeant. Um, but it, it's going to have to change. It's 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 moving in the right direction. I'm I'm optimistic about it all. People that think that we're just dirt dummies are so wrong. Well, we are so just wrong. dirt dummies, yeah. though. Well, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. But you know that. We say dirt dummies in a laughing way. They yeah. say dirt dumming or, yeah. or ditch diggers as like we're still out there with pickaxes digging ditches and look at those guys with their vests on. They just got out of prison. You know, like my wife works at a school and they, one of the counselors said, oh, somebody's got to dig ditches when she explained to him what I do. And I was like, I think I need to like educate this woman. <laughs> yeah, but people because, say that and it's like, I feel bad for you. Like, I don't envy you. It's it's funny how it's reverse in a lot of oh, cases because yeah. it's like I feel bad for people sitting in an office right now, forty hours a week, miserable. Like that sounds absolutely terrible. You know, you hear all these stories. I remember my dad telling me this story about these guys. They were out in Boston on scaffolding in like negative degree weather, doing some framing on a building, and one of the office workers put a sign in the window that said "Nice and toasty out here." In here, Sorry. yeah. And, and one of the guys, and they got a lot of trouble for it. One of the guys wrote $40 an hour out here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, they got a lot of trouble for it, but still like, fuck you, you know? That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy. Well, where do, where do people find you, Pat? How do people follow along Uh, on your uh, dirt adventures? Essentially Pat Allen, 30 on Instagram. You know, I have a Facebook page. I have a really shitty YouTube page that I don't put any time into that. I don't, I don't even look for that. But yeah, Pat Allen 30 is really where it's at. Um, okay. 
or just or just follow Tom. You'll see me. He posts me a lot. Or yep. Craig. I mean, you can't forget about Craig. Yep. I want to put that out there that Craig might not be uh, very vocal or visual out on Instagram, but he's there and he is one of the best dirt guys I've ever worked with. So, you know, we got to give him a lot of credit. He doesn't get as much credit as uh, sometimes he deserves, but he is he is a pretty big backbone to our the business that I work for. So absolutely, and and to follow yeah. Tom, it's all the the Dirt Ninja, the Dirt Ninja, the Dirt yeah. Ninja, yeah. yeah. And you can DM him asking him for a job. That'd be great. Yes, just, just a rag. We're not actually hiring anybody. Just a rag on him. Yes, you know he loves loves the IM job. DM just make sure. You know, make sure you bug him. <laughs> Good. That that's that's the kind of change I want to create in the world. Let's just bother Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and to put this out here too is you know if anybody has any questions or is looking, I'd love to do something locally with like the high school kids or kids that are just don't know what to do with themselves, whether it be getting into dirt or any other trade. I think I'd love to something I'm, I'm looking into doing this year if anybody in the area wants to do the same thing i know there's a there's a group on uh, instagram that's uh starting that that's that's a great movement for i think for a lot of these things but if locally if anybody's in the new hampshire new england area if you're looking if you got a kid that doesn't know what to do with themselves coming out of high school i definitely love to talk to them all right well i will um i'll let you get back to your to your wife and kids on this sunday Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, taking time to sit in your pickup truck down the street and talk to uh, <laughs> talk to our enormous audience yeah. of about four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, does it count as four? I'm not. If I is it me? Like, so it's three technically. Oh uh, well, maybe we're up to five. I'll probably listen to myself. I yeah. think, and just beat my head against the steering wheel, <laughs> going, "My God, I sound like an idiot." Maybe, maybe your wife will listen <laughs> to it too. Oh yeah, yeah. I think she might just for you know. For my sake. Yeah. So she can say, man, you rambled a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is great. I think people will love it. All right. Well, Pat, I appreciate it. And um, with that, I think we're we're done with another one here. So if you if you enjoyed it, please share it with with whomever. Uh, we had a record month in the month of January with downloads, which is really exciting. It's going in a positive direction. We are about to also be making some huge changes to the podcast that I'll be talking about soon making enormous investments into it. So it's not going away anytime soon. And in theory, it should only keep getting better and better. Uh, So please keep sharing it. I appreciate all the shares, all the comments, all the feedback. It's been really cool. Um, And we will see you on the next one.